Of course, the crowd wants Reed to go for it. Wouldn't be surprised if he did on fourth down and one. So, anyways, with that, time jerks. Welcome to fourth and one. I'm Todd Palmer, uh, joined by Nick Jacobs. And, uh, man, the offseason rolls along. Here we are at the end of March, uh, early April, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. Um, and uh, it has been a, a nonstop flurry of some some pretty big news across the NFL just day after day, week after week. It seems like it's finally calming down, Nick. Do, do you think that thing, I mean, there's not many players left out there to sign. So you think things are finally calming down? Bah, 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 bah. Oh, there's more breaking news, Todd. Why did you do that, Todd? They were pitching a perfect game with no breaking news stories, and you had to say that. Well, and, and, and look, we're. It's like a perfect game. You just don't talk about it, Todd. You just accept it. <laughs> The draft is in four weeks, so it's inevitable over the next couple of weeks that that's going to See, look, Todd, it's another story. All right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to ramp back. I mean, I say that, and, like, uh, you know, Bobby Wagner did sign a five-year, $50 million deal with the Rams and Bruce stuff like Aaron that today. Bruce did retire, so. like I said, was going <laughs> to Right. I, people, I remember people two months ago were asking me, like, Bucks question mark? Why would their job be up? And I was like, well, maybe some information fell off a truck. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that was – the timing of that one is interesting. Like, Brady came back. There's already reports that Brady knew this was going to happen. <laughs> like – Oh, he knew. Um, I uh, from people I talked to, he knew. Like this, yeah. this, uh, uh, yeah. none of this is coincidental. No matter what, how yeah. they try to spin it publicly, knew or had a hand in it. <laughs> I have no comment. <laughs> I'll come back as long as Bruce is not the coach. Is that? <laughs> do you think that conversation took place? Let's play a game called Bruce Leaves, <laughs> <laughs> or you can trade me to San Francisco or Miami. Thanks. <laughs> oh. I like how those rumors magically went away whenever, whenever it formally came out that like, and Bruce Aarons is um, stepping into a new role in the front office. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how that works. Um, all right. But when I look at the chiefs, all right, I mean, obviously, you know, people I think are still some, some people in chiefs kingdom are still in shock about the Tyree kill trade. But when I look at the roster and what they've done this off season, Brett Veach said, when asked what his top priority was going to be other than Orlando Brown, he said, Tyron Matthew and the defensive line, Tyron Matthew still a free agent and they've done nothing to address the defensive line. I don't, I don't remember Tyron Matthew being a priority in the presser. He said it, although it was kind of a throwaway. Um, I thought he said I thought. that like, he loves, I thought he said that they, they love him and he loves the chiefs. I thought that was all that was said. No, I, I'd had to go back and look at the quote, but he made some comment about wanting him back. Um, so he, you know, he, he, he made some comment about how, yeah, Orlando and, and Tyrone will be our, will be priorities for us. Um, I, you know, I, I put, put whatever stock in it as you want. I'm just saying, these are the words that, that Brett Beach said were Todd's current, current quotes do not reflect Nick Jacobs' thoughts and opinions. I'm just saying that <laughs> when asked directly about it, he said defensive line and then, you know, um, re-signing their, their, what was considered to be their top offensive and defensive free agent, which makes sense. I mean, that's what you're going to say. Um, but, I mean, at what point, Nick, do you think they start to actually address the defense? Oh, it's going to be the draft, my man. 
The draft, if I'm in their shoes, I'm going defensive line heavy in the draft. Going to rebuild that one with some fresh guys that are youthful enough that you get them on a four or five year contract. You hope, uh, hope your lottery tickets in that, re- in that regard pan out and they turn into some superstars, maybe some good stars. I have, <clears throat> all right, Todd, I'm going to break the news here right now. Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> You like my you like my breaking news thing? Is it pretty good? <laughs> um, it, it's getting to be like when my youngest son says "mom" to my wife. Like, <laughs> wow, dude, that was really hurtful. <laughs> Guess who's uninvited from my birthday party? His, I was never his, invited anyway. Starts with a T, ends with a D. It's Todd. <laughs> Not coming off the guest list. So when you show up to my virtual <laughs> Zoom birthday party <laughs> yeah. to be socially distant. I'm going to be, gonna be like, nope, he's not on the list. We'll see you. Um, <clears throat> no, um, yeah, I. Uh, what were we talking about again? <laughs> I don't we're talking about how they're gonna, they're gonna. I mean, the draft is. Oh, defensive line, yeah. Defensive line. Sorry, man, I had to, you know, I had to jump back in time with my Delorean to get back to where we were. Let me lose my train of thought. I was so passionate about that birthday party. <laughs> um, no, but I, I think you're going to get most of that through the defensive line, and and what my breaking news is going to be. I have watched all the defensive ends and I have, I'm halfway through the defensive tackles and that'll be a part of one of our podcasts next week. I just yeah. need a little bit more time because Kansas decided to keep on winning. Um, so that took up a little bit of free time right there. So that, um, yeah, that'll be interesting there. And then I'm, I'm really excited to watch the wide receivers and that's kind of where my primary focus is other than corner in terms of what I think they're going to need to do. So I think those positions are really where they the I hope they kind of lock in and and kind of replenish the roster in those areas. Yeah, I mean, you look at so on offense. I mean, you know, like I said, uh, obviously Tyreek Hill's gone. The offense is going to have to change. But you've added Marquez Valdez Scantling. You you've kept Josh Gordon around. Whatever he's going to be with a full off season with the team. You've still got McCall Hardman. You've added Juju Smith Schuster. Um, for and then the Ronald Jones one's an interesting signing. I know you've been advocating for a running back. Do you see him? Um, what do you like about his fit? And do you think he can be a more dynamic version of a Daryl Williams type? Um, I think he's going to be a power running back. And I think they're going to try to use him in some of the ways that they did Kareem between the tackles run style. I think they probably want to get back to a little bit more of that. And I think that's where Jones comes into play. I'm curious to see where Jones is going to be in terms of, catching passes in the flats and then screens and how, how he'll do with that and OTAs and training camp and preseason. I'm curious to see if he's improved on that and where he's at in terms of that ability. And then we'll see where he's at from a pass protection standpoint. And once Greg Lewis and potentially very B enemy works with them, um, where they, where they can help him develop and become the running back that he's capable of. I mean, I know he had that big play against the chiefs and they're, Regular season game, uh, the the year that the Chiefs lost the Super Bowl when he hurtled uh, Dana Sorensen for a 30-yard touchdown. So, I mean, he has the ability in him. It's just a matter of how they can use him in that way and then um, how they want to blend the reps between him and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And then who's going to be their third running back from a dynamic perspective, if, if McKinnon will be the guy who's re-signed or if they go out and draft one or if they sign an undrafted free agent or one of the guys they have on the futures contract if they potentially kind of utilize them in that regard. But I would like to see an explosive back to 
go with Clyde over to Laren Ronald Jones personally. Yeah, and it could be McKinnon. Um, he certainly showed flashes last year, but I, I also, you know, like you said, there, there's other options out there. I don't think the Chiefs are done adding at wide receiver either. No. But when no you look be. at Valdez, you know, Valdez Scantling, McCole Hardman, Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, I, and then you got to add Travis Kelsey in there, I think, because he, he's a wide receiver as well, right? I mean, it functionally in the offense. Um, I think that's a good core, and if you add another young guy, whether it's, uh, you know, a Jamison Williams or a Traylon Burks or, you know, someone along those lines, um, you know, and, you know, so, and, and look, it's a deep draft. So there's some guys that could be there in the, the second, third round as well, that, that could be useful. I think that they're going to have options. I think that they're going to have uh, a more balanced offense, um, not only between run and pass, but also in terms of, um, targets, things like that. I, I just, I think they're a little bit more immune with the guys that they have now from wholesale disappearing acts uh, in the passing game. I, I think they've got guys who, if you're going to roll coverage one way or another, and a lot of teams are probably going to try to, uh, you know, take away Travis Kelsey still. Some will guard against MBS getting free deep, things like that. But I just I don't think Juju Smith Schuster is going to disappear in games like some of the Chiefs receivers in the past have. Um, yeah, that's not to say that these guys are going to put up the kind of numbers Tyree Kill did. They, they're not. I mean, just they're not going to. Um, but I think on balance, collectively, they can replace that production. I, I think, like you said, the keyword there is balance. I think they just want a more balanced passing attack, and I think they want a more balanced running attack, and I think they're trying to add players, especially at receiver and with ratting Ronald Jones at running back and what they may do as well at running back here down the road. I think they want to add players that are the answer for that cover too. Who are guys that can help in run blocking at receiver? Who are guys that can work over the middle if they need to? Who are guys that can work within 10 yards and get the, get the necessary yak that they want? Who are, who's a big body receiver that can outleave defenders and kind of take it the distance. And who are some guys who can take the top off of defense if they want to go single high. So I think the chiefs are trying to become more versatile collectively. And I think they're trying to reinvent and rebuild their offense. And I think that's part of what uh, Matt, Matt Nagy's here for is to be able to kind of help reinvent this to where they take the next step to where they're not necessarily running as much RPOs as they were with, uh, with for McCall or with, or for Tyreek or, you know, Pringle or whoever they had in those positions. I, I just don't, I don't think they're going to leave that guessing game there as much. I think this is kind of, I, I think what the Cincinnati game taught them um, more than anything else playing them both times is that they were going to have to evolve with their receivers with the overall offense and that the league had caught up to what they were doing and the league was shutting down what they were doing. And because of it, since they weren't ahead of the curve in that regard and able to foresee it coming, that cost them another Super Bowl whether it's a Super Bowl win or a Super Bowl appearance, that costs them, as well as not having a reliable defensive line cost them. So, like, those are the things that are going to get corrected. And a lot of it has gotten corrected, and there's going to be more that's going to get corrected through the draft and through potentially after the draft if any players get released and then also in training camp. That's what their mission is, is to evolve as an offense and to kind of change who they are. Because, like I said before in the previous podcast – Teams are signing and building up 
to stop the Kansas City Chiefs and the and the Buffalo Bills of the world, and even potentially the Cincinnati Bengals in some regard. So the Chiefs had to pivot now and had to take a different step. And that's where a lot of the other teams, they're preparing as if the Chiefs are playing a certain way. So this is where the Chiefs are going to have to continue to try to stay ahead of the other teams in terms of what they're doing and how they're going to go about it. I know it's a bummer to see Tyreek Hill leave. I know it's a bummer that Tyreek Hill is gone and to not be able to watch that explosiveness in a Chiefs uniform anymore. I, I enjoyed every second of being able to watch him play in a Chiefs uniform, but that that portion is over with. So now we'll see if they can evolve and get some more Lombardis. Because at the end of the day, what it comes down to is can you win Lamar Hunt trophies and can you win Lombardi trophies? And if it's not something that can help you do that, it doesn't matter. Well, and go look at the New England offense and you know, in the six Super Bowls that they won with Tom Brady. And and you're not gonna see a lot of the same wide receivers. You're not gonna see a lot of the same running backs. Um, I mean Rob Gronkowski was there for a handful of them, right? But there aren't a lot of guys who were consistent, you know. I mean, Deion Branch was MVP of the Super Bowl one year, uh, you know, but he wasn't a big factor in in, in that whole run. And, and that's one of the realities I think the Chiefs have to face is Patrick Mahomes is going to play most of his career without Tyreek Hill at this point, obviously. He's probably going to play most of his career without Travis Kelsey when it's all said and done. Um, Kelsey may be a guy who sticks around a few more years, but, um, you know, I mean, at the end of the day that the cast around Patrick Mahomes is going to change. And like you said, it, this era will be judged on the number of Lombardi trophies. They, they collect if, if it stays at one, um, then, you know, I don't think anyone with the organization is going to be satisfied by that, but I think the moves that they've made are in anticipation and hope that it's not going to be one that they're going to collect a, a room full of them, um, you know, because they've got the quarterback to do it for the f- first time in franchise. Well, first time since what Lynn Dawson, um, you know, I mean, realistically. So I still think most of the work they have to do now, other than maybe adding a receiver depth at tackle, that kind of thing. Although, you know, I like what they did. Um, uh, I, I like what they did in picking up, you know, Garen Christian, um, you know, as a guy who can be that swing tackle, um, you know, veteran type guy. Um, you know, like I said, I, I think most of the work they have to do though is on, on defense. Um, is it, I mean, it's when you look at what they've done on defense, they re-signed Derek Noddy, they restructured Frank Clark, um, and they signed Justin Reed. Right. But Right now, I mean, you'd have. How could you forget your favorite chief, Daniel Sorensen, going to New Orleans? No, your favorite chief. You remember through Twitter? Or oh yeah, Dion Bush. I do like Dion, but I mean, I think he's more of a special teams guy. Um, <clears throat> you know, I mean, he he might feature some. I mean, look, he's he's played some, yeah, you know, in in sub packages stuff like that. And I'm not saying he can't compete. I think he's an upgrade over Armani Watts, um, <laughs> or somebody like that. Um, but I think his P and yeah, a guy like Luke Barku, I think their primary value is going to be, you know, as special teams guys as, you know, as, as complimentary players. Um, but yes, I am a big fan of, of Dion Bush and, um, you know, he signed on the day that Tyreek got traded and, um, you know, he was, uh, uh, he's been having fun with it. Um, you know, so, um, I, I'm, I'm sure he, uh, you know, I mean, maybe he can be a wide receiver, you know, Matt Nagy probably knows him pretty well. So. 
he could fill that role too, I guess. No, sorry, he's a safety. <laughs> but I, look, I mean, I, I they've got. I mean, how many how many defensive linemen do you think they're going to draft? If they draft, I, I don't think they're going to draft all twelve picks. But if they do pick, stay, if they do stand pat and draft twelve players, I would guess at least five of them are defensive linemen. If I were a bet man right now, I don't know about five. I mean, I, I at least would like to see three <laughs> defensive linemen and two receivers, and then after that, you just go with whatever you need at corner, safety, and maybe. A, a tackle. I mean, the, you know, those the a developmental tackle. I mean, those would be fun to see. But yeah, no. I mean, if, if it ends up being four defensive linemen, I'm not going to be upset about that. There are some defensive ends I have my eyes on, and I hope that I hope they uh, I hope the Chiefs take pick them up. But we'll see. Well, and I, look, I, I think D tackle. I mean, I think if you've got a guy who you think can become the next Chris Jones, or or you know, I mean, I where they're picking, they're not going to get an Aaron Donald type. And I don't know that an Aaron Donald type exists in this draft or any other draft from what I've seen so far. No, (laughs) correct. But I mean, if you can get some interior pass rush help too, you've got a plan for a future without Chris Jones as well. Right. So, I mean, if you can get a guy who can replicate what he brings to the table, his skill set and stuff like that. I mean, that's not a bad thing. Um, You know, if you can add, you know, add some pieces like that, to the table. I mean, look, if they go get two or three defensive ends and, and a couple of defensive tackles in this draft, um, I don't think that that's a bad thing. I'm mean, understanding probably all five aren't going to pan out and be, and be great players moving forward. But um, I mean, they need that and they need some, some fresh uh, blood at corner, right? I mean, you've got Legereus Sneed, Rashad Fenton has played, you know, has played well and, and he's still going to be around for uh, at least a year. You know, DeAndre Baker, who knows what he can be. But, I mean, the fact that he was inactive most of the year um, says a lot. So, I, I think those are the key positions where in the draft. I, I think, I mean, whether they go after, you know, whether they try to get a value contract with a Steph Gilmore or something like that, I still think you're going to need to have longer-term solutions for those three positions, corner, D-tackle, and D-end, and they got to come from this draft. And receiver too, like receiver. Right. Receiver. Well, I'm talking. I'm just talking defense right now. I'm talking the whole picture, Todd, because I want the whole enchilada, the whole enchilada. What? The best picks money can buy. Well, that's <laughs> the thing. Like, I had to do the best blue chips reference I could. I'm sorry. I would love to have, like, I mean, in, in a in a perfect world, I think their biggest needs are wide receiver and DN. So, you know, if they stand pat and don't move around in the first round, you'd like for them to pick, you know, ideally fill those two positions at 29 and 30. Right. But if, if a guy like, you know, Dax Hill from Michigan, who who's, you know, a corner who I think would do well in, in Spagnuolo's system, if he falls, um, you know, to 29 and the chiefs go corner and, you know, surprise everyone after two, after two or three years where people thought they might go corner in the first round, then they didn't. If they finally do, I'm not going to be mad about that either. You know, it, to your point, I think it's all about value. Um, what, you know, if, if the wide receivers are picked over and they don't like the guys that are there at 29 or 30, then, you know, kick the can to the second round and, and address, you know, get, get the best D tackle DN cornerback or safety you can get you know with those picks and and move on 
Yeah, I just think I think for Brett Veach right now, when you're looking at this roster, both short term and long term, they need to they need to build their defensive nucleus because they built and they built their offensive line nucleus. The you know, I and mean, you got Mahomes. You need to add some pieces to the puzzle at receiver from this draft class to be part of the part of the nucleus that you build around as well. Then you really need this draft class coming up here at defensive end and hopefully at corner, especially along the defensive line. Because you've already got the linebacker thing situated nucleus otherwise. You need more along the defensive line. And if you can get a corner to go along with with Justin Reed, like that that gives you your your next group of guys that are together for four years, hopefully longer than that, that help create your next Super Bowl window, regardless of, you know, Kelsey's status or the fact that Tyreek Hill is not here anymore or some of the other guys on the roster. So that's really what, in my opinion, this draft class is about. And what next year's draft class is about is getting guys that help build that new window to where you're not up against the cap every year and you're not trying to have to, overpay and free agency for some guys that you, you know, like you had to do with Joe Tooney or when you had to extend Chris Jones or you had to go trade for Frank Clark, you wanting to set yourself up to where you don't have to make those trades and give thing and give those, uh, give those draft picks away to extend somebody for a hundred million dollar contract type of thing. Yeah. I mean, but you look, you look at the history of the, of the draft that there are plenty of first round wide receivers, but there are plenty of second, third, even fifth round wide, you know, guys that turned out to be all pro, you know, pro bowl caliber wide receivers in the draft. So that's why I'm saying as deep as this draft is at, at edge and at wide receiver, what I don't want to see is the chiefs, you know, reach for guys that unnecessarily um, when, you know, to your point, they need to add talent at various positions. So state, you know, just stay true to your board and, and, if the wide receivers you like are gone by 29, if the defensive ends that you like are gone by 29, but there's a safety or a wide receiver, or, I'm sorry, a safety or a defensive tackle or a corner, I don't have a problem with, with adding in those positions too because you're going to need those, you know, some of those young, controllable guys moving forward. We talked about this last week. Other than a franchise quarterback, rookie contracts and 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 the type of deals you sign at this stage in the game – you know, these discount veteran deals where you can get a guy on a prove it deal that, you know, that comes in and, uh, but doesn't break the bank for you. Those are some of the most valuable assets that a general manager has when he, you know, in, in terms of roster construction. Um, so, you know, whether, whether the chiefs go strictly for need at defensive end and wide receiver or not, I'm not going to be angry in the first couple rounds. Yeah. I just know it's a big draft for them to really kind of, build that next wave of what they're trying to accomplish and have the next group of star players that we're comparing, you know, Hey, they gotta, they gotta do this while they're in this window for this guy. And what, what I've been intrigued by with Brett Beach and how smart I think he's been with free agency in this regard, tactic wise is they didn't, they honestly didn't overpay. I mean, cause the, the, the Valdez Scanlon contract, they can get out after a year if they want to. Juju Smith Schuster is only a year. So you have that prove-it deal essentially for both those guys. Then you have Justin Reed, who you're kind of hoping can be one of your nucleus guys going forward here. But and you have again, a whole... at ten million dollars a year, when people were talking about fourteen million for you know Tyron Matthew, and that's what you had paid Tyron Matthew the previous three years, I, I don't think they overspent there. 
And then you add Ronald Jones, who's pretty much less than two and a half million a year. I know it's worth up to five if he has all incentives, but that's three million three million dollars worth in incentives. Um, but they didn't. Uh, they they added pieces all along throughout the roster. Most of it isn't really that expensive. What they added, but it all gives guys who you're hoping are hungry, who want to earn new deals, whether it's in Kansas City or elsewhere, and you're you're hoping to get the best production out of each and every one of those guys, especially the ones that you didn't give multi-year deals to. So in that regard, I mean, I, I thought they they played their hand well with what they've been able to have in free agency. Like it, the two guys that I'm still going to be bummed about for a while is going to be Mike Williams and Cedric Wilson. Like, I'm going to be bummed about them. That's just going to happen. But the Chiefs were able to go out and get some new fresh wide receivers that, you know, Mahomes is going to have to work with and kind of build that up with them. And we'll see how that ends up shaking out. Hopefully that goes fantastically and they win another Super Bowl. But we'll we'll see how all that evolves over here. But, it, um, yeah, this, this draft, I mean, I'm going to be really curious to see what they end up selecting. Um, and, and what they're able to end up doing to be able to stay pat with AFC West. And the other big thing that repercussion that's coming from this is if you look at the free agent wide receivers next year, you know, from McCole Harmon's class, you're going to have Terry McLaurin, you got DK Metcalf, you're going to have Debo Samuel, Hunter, uh, can't remember if Hunter Renfro is a free agent or not, but there's a couple other guys on that list that are all around that, around that draft class. And like they're gonna be free agents next year, so I'm very intrigued to see with Tyreek Hill and Devonte Adams' contracts, what impact is that gonna have on each one of those players? And is are teams gonna overextend themselves in that regard, or are they gonna have to do something similar to what the Chiefs did, to where they have to shop some of those guys because they don't want to pay 25 to 30 million a year for one of those receivers? Yeah, Renfro is. Uh... He, you know, his, he's in the last year of his four-year deal there with with the Raiders, so he has the potential to be a free agent as well. Um, so, I mean, I, I think the bottom line is the Chiefs are going to have a lot of options. Let me ask you this: they have two picks in each of the first four rounds, two first, two second, two third, two fourth round picks. How many picks do they actually make in those first four rounds? Do you think? Selfishly, I'm hoping they get to make them all. I want all the players. Um, but I think if there's a certain player that they get their eye on and Veach's history is to be aggressive and trade up, you know, move picks and, you know, move stuff around. So I I personally think if there's a specific pass rusher that they really were like somewhere in that 12 to 20 range, I could see them trading away a couple picks to move up to the, to that. Who, who would that be though? Give me an example of a guy that you think would be. Todd, that's the next podcast. Well, no, I'm just saying just no. like, like, like this is, this is what, this is what we call a teaser, Nick. Um, like, like who's an example of a guy that you think is worth going up to get? Because I, I don't think the chiefs can sit at 29, for example, and get Jamison Williams. I don't think he's going to fall all the way to 29, despite the ACL tear. I think they're going to have to go up to the 14 to 16 range if they want to get Jamison Williams. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously you wait until you get to pick 12, 13 and see how it's developing, but I think they're going to have to find a way to go up to that range. If he's a guy that they covet, um, you know, I mean, who's an example of a DN that, that you think that could be in that 12 to 20 range that they might go up for. You'll find out in uh, next week's pod, Todd killing me you're killing me i just want you to throw one name out there nick come on man no 
It's like asking him to name his favorite item at Wendy's. He just won't do it. That's true. I won't. <laughs> spicy chicken. <laughs> I knew it was a spicy chicken. Uh, all right. Well, hey, we did get some questions from some viewers as part of the new um, Fourth and One podcast community on Wait, Twitter. Are you, are you recording this thing with a camera? You said viewers. Have you been recording me this whole time? I, I have been. Um, I can I can share that on on the Twitter deck too. No, thank but no, you. I, I bet like. How did you get I, a camera in my house, Todd? Well, you you turned it on when we got this. When I is that what this thing is? Yes, I thought it was a microphone, Todd. I can see you. I thought it was a microphone, Todd. Yeah, no, it's it's it's. This is even a talkie. Um, I can hear you. I can see you. Everything. <laughs> I'm gonna unplug this camera. <laughs> turn off the video um but i did uh, i, I did want to let's jump in there um you know that twitter has this new communities section so you're welcome to um search up fourth and one and it'll be a little bit more insular community where we can have conversations that aren't as out in the wild and filled with questions about uh ben neiman and dan Sorensen. which uh, I, i'm gonna miss this <laughs> I selfishly kind of hope that people still ask you Dan Sorensen questions. I hope they never next, do next year, even though um, he has moved on to the new Orleans saints. No, cause then people who don't listen to the podcast are going to respond. Like he's in new Orleans. Pay attention. No, that's fine. I, I still it'll be, look, you're misunderstanding what Twitter is for. The only reason I'm on Twitter is for my own entertainment, my own enjoyment. That would entertain me greatly. I would enjoy that. I don't care whether other people are upset and don't understand it. It would make me happy if people still tweeted you Daniel Sorensen questions. Todd, <laughs> I don't want your happiness through my sadness. <laughs> um, all right. So you, uh, you ready? Like, let, let's start with, uh, uh, Wes from the Chiefs community asked, uh, what remaining moves do you see on defense? I assume he means in free agency. Do, I don't really see the Chiefs making a splashy signing uh, before the draft. I mean, I still think Melvin Ingram's out there. Um, haven't heard a lot of chatter about him one way or another. Um, and, and I've told you why that's probably. I, was gonna say, I still feel like I think people understand he's probably coming back to the Chiefs, and it's probably not happening till July. <laughs> so that's why you don't hear a lot about what Melvin Ingram's future holds. I, I you know, I, I'm still kind of counting Melvin Ingram, even though he's technically not signed in the defensive end mix for the Chiefs moving forward. Um, you can't can't count your you know your chicks before they've hatched, but I, I still think that's probably a safe assumption. Um, but do you see any other free agent signings uh, on the horizon for the defense? Um, I think if the I think they would probably like to lock down something at corner, whether that would be Gilmore, if that would be finalizing a trade for James Bradbury. I think yep. those are I think those are two individuals that I think if I think if Gilmore gets more realistic with his price, um, I think there I think that would be a possibility. But un, until that happens, I don't I don't see that happening at this current venture in time. And, and there's been a lot of smoke about Bradbury for say, a you know, a, a mid round pick with the giants. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't think it'll be a mid round pick. Right. But I mean, whatever, whatever that would be, do you think the chiefs are waiting to see if, if Gilmore will come down in price or, or what, what do you I would, think? I would, cause you don't have to give up compensation that way. 
Right. I mean, would you rather have Gilmore than Bradbury? Um, I think you can trust Gilmore a little bit more. And I think he's a more versatile corner in both zone and man versus Bradbury that I think has some tackling issues at times and doesn't always take the best angle and seems like more of a zone coverage corner that you want coming up and driving up on the football versus kind of being in man. I think he, I think he has a little bit of trouble, especially with some of the number one receivers he went against like DK Metcalf and Mike Evans. I knew he had some trouble there whenever I was watching those games. So, I mean, I mean, Bradbury's going to be two years younger and I mean, you have the benefit of that, but I think if Gilmore's cost becomes less and isn't a long-term deal, I think if that comes down and it's less than what trading Bradbury would be, then I, then I could see something getting done possibly. Yeah. But that's just an educated guess on my part. Yeah. Um, all right. So, um, home of the chiefs, um, which may be a Patrick Mahomes burner account based on the, uh, the profile pick. Uh, I'm not sure. I know a place uh, that's home of the chiefs, <laughs> right? KSHB 41. Uh, yeah. you, you're wearing the shirt, not that people can see it, but you're wearing the shirt. Yeah. Um, Cause this microphone apparently is a camera. <laughs> So, but he, he, we've already kind of covered this, but if, if the edge rushers and wide receivers that they really covet uh, and that they have a a top 30 grade on are gone and the chiefs stay put at 29 or 30, you know, what do you do? Do do you pass and go to other positions? Um, You know, or, or uh, you know, like whether it's safety or defensive tackle, or do you, do you reach for those positions? Cause you think that you need them more. Um, I, I think you, I think you move on to another position. If the player is graded at that spot that you feel comfortable with, like say there's a defensive end that maybe you have as the 34th best player and you have to take him at 29, then, you know, you, you go ahead and do that. If that's what you got to do. Um, the question would become if it, cause the problem you run here's the benefit with the chiefs having two first round picks. If they end up keeping those, you get the fifth year option on that player. Right, and if that's a premium position, that's a defensive end, that's a that's an offensive tackle, if that's you know, at at wide receiver, if that's a corner, then those are spots where that that fifth year option becomes somewhat valuable because that's one less year you hopefully have to use the franchise tag, and they're going to get paid you know in that top ten money, so you've started that floor of what they're potentially going to be if you get to that fifth year option. It just it gives them one more year. To, to negotiate without really having to use a franchise tag. So in that regard, that's where that value comes in with the first round pick that people don't always equate the way that they should with it. So that, that if it's one of those premium positions and that's why you, you keep those first round picks for those spots because it buys you a little bit more time for having to pay, you know, number one overall money if you need to. So that that's where I think, I mean, Hypothetically, I mean, a receiver and in like those are the primary things I want to see him go out there and address multiple times in the first, second, third, and fourth round. And then after that, like, you know, you do what you got to do at corner and potentially at tackle and at safety. Like, but I think those are the areas that whatever, whatever road you go down getting that, I think that that's, those are the spots that I'm, that I'm looking at if I'm them. Right. And I mean, I, th- I think the way to think of it is like, you're, you're going to need a, a quality corner, a quality safety, a quality defensive tackle 
three, four, five years from now. So if you've got a top 20, top 25 grade in terms of the whole draft class on a particular corner safety or defensive tackle and all of the wide receivers and defensive ends that you had graded in your top 40 or 45 have already been, been taken, right? If, if, if the board just completely goes, you know, goes that way and craps you out, then I, I think at that point, yeah, I'm not going to overreach for a guy that I have ranked rated at 50th when I've got two more picks coming in the 50 to 62 range. Um, if there's a, a guy that we value as a top 25 pick at, at corner or at D tackle, that happens to fall in our lap, there's more value there long-term, like you talked about with that fifth-year option, and because they fill other holes on the roster, I'm going to go ahead and and take the player that I've got valued in the top 20, t- top 25 who slid to me rather than reach for a guy that is you know maybe fringe top 50 in, in the opinion of my scouts and player personnel department. Yeah, you just got to be able to – you just got to trust your board and hopefully – you know, hopefully your your board's accurate to where you're going to be able to hit on those on those players, and that you were able to kind of diagnose what type of workers they are. Because the the tape can tell you what they have ability skill set wise. The thing that you're trying to answer is, and you either do that through interviews, or you just have to find out on the football field, is what type of coaching do they take? How do they, re, you know, how receptive are they, are they to that coaching? How receptive are they to the culture you've created here in the facility? And then how, how, how hard do they want to work at it? And here's something I'm going to say about Tyree kill that I don't think enough people appreciated about him. Like Tyree kill put everything he had into being a good wide receiver like that, you know, just like Patrick Mahomes puts a lot into trying to be a good quarterback and training the way that he does. Just like Kelsey puts in a lot of work. You know, you may see some posts on Instagram and this and that and Twitter and everything, but I'm telling you, those guys put in a lot of time. You don't get to be, that good or, or that level of greatness if you're just sloppy about it. And Tyreek, man, like Tyreek, I'm telling you, like the, the training that dude would do and to have the stamina that he did, to have the toughness he did, to be able to avoid injuries that he shouldn't have been able to avoid during that time with his size and his frame, like, I mean, that, that took a lot of work and that took a lot of dedication. So, like, those are the things that you you don't always get to – you don't always get to gauge. You can get a feel for but until you see him in – the system you just don't hundred percent know. And that's, that's where you get the guys who either rise in the draft or the guys that, that fall. And you're hoping you pick a guy that's good for your scheme. For example, Breland speaks was never good for the scheme that they were going to, you know, that they were going to go to. He unfortunately wasn't good for Bob Sutton's scheme. And he was even worse for Steve Spagnuolo's scheme. Like it just wasn't a good fit. Just like D Ford wasn't going to be a good fit for Steve Spagnuolo's scheme. You know, it's just, you gotta, you gotta have a good scouting department that understands the scheme and guys that can at least get in the ballpark of being able to predict how hard some players are going to work to chase greatness. Well, the other thing you, you never know is, is once a guy gets paid, is he satisfied with that? Does he feel like he's made it or, or, you know, does he want more or, you know, because for some guys that matters, right? Some guys, you know, that's the goal is, is to get that first check, be a first round draft pick, you know, get set up for life, be able to buy their mama home and they feel like they've made it. Um, and then for some guys, you know, they want to, you know, they, they want rings. They want to go down as one of the greatest of all time. And those are the guys you want. They're not all going to make it, but those are the guys you want. The guys that have that kind of drive. Uh, that's also why I think, you know, like you talk about Tyreek Hill, anybody who 
I, I don't think it's fair for anybody to say, well, he was just greedy and, you know, uh, wanted to be the highest paid wide receiver in, you know, in, in the NFL. Look, if that's his goal, that's fine. He has worked hard and earned the right to set that for a goal, set that for as a goal for himself. I also think Brett Veach did the smart thing in saying, that's beyond our limit, man. We can't go that high. And, and then working to find somebody who was willing to do that. I'm not mad at Tyreek that he felt that way and that he wanted to be the highest paid wide receiver in the league. I'm also not mad that Brett Veach said, said Tyreek, we love you, but I don't think that's a wise move for the franchise. So I think we're going to have to go a different direction. That That's just the business of the NFL sometimes. Well, and my final thought for tonight, um, I, I do think it is kind of the, I, I posted on Twitter, but I do think it is kind of interesting that you get Ronald Jones. He comes from a Super Bowl team with played with Tom Brady. So he's played before last year. He got to experience what it's like to have a target on your back when teams are gunning for you. And when teams are coming after you for being a Super Bowl champ and, you know, people want to topple you down. So he's been through that, been there, done that. And he's a veteran that the players and the team can lean on to help him get through some of those tough moments. Cause he's been there before. Um, you take Juju Smith-Schuster. He played with Ben Roethlisberger. Now, has Ben Roethlisberger been great the past couple of years? No, but he's still Ben Roethlisberger. He's still got the name. He's still won some Super Bowls. He's still been a lot of key moments, and he's going to go into the Hall of Fame someday. But he's still going to have that aura about him playing with him and being in a, and, and Juju being in a, in a franchise that expects playoffs, that expects Super Bowls, that expects championships. There's a different type of level and different type of intensity being around that. And he's used to being around that type of atmosphere and that type of environment and those type of expectations. When you take Valdez Scantlin, was worked with Aaron Rodgers, was up in Green Bay, a perennial Super Bowl contender, and he's also been a part of you know being around. Those guys have all been around household name quarterbacks that have a lot of the attention that they do media wise. All in their own ways have targets on their back, whether it's in the division or in the overall NFL at various times in their career. And they all went through those experiences. Being able to add all those guys to the Chiefs roster where, you know, to be at the ages that they are to where they're under 28 years old and they can kind of be those guys to where they have that drive because two of them haven't won a Super Bowl and the other one obviously has. But to, to have that certain level and have guys that really need to prove themselves again, I just I was very intrigued by the guys that they signed and what what they bring in tangible wise off the field to what this offense is trying to evolve into in a mentality way. All right. So that brings me to a question from Brian Cooper, who, who wants to know um, with, with given how complex Andy Reed's system is, you know, Juju and, and MVS haven't necessarily been highly, highly productive receiver. They certainly haven't had the kind of production Tyreek Hill has had. Does that concern you um, with them, you know, picking up the system or or working into a system like Andy Reid's? I mean, you just don't know with receivers until until they get to week seven or week eight in the in the scheme and in the roster. We'll we'll see some inklings in training camp and preseason. And I think Andy Reid and Matt Nagy. I think they'll build them along. I think they'll build Patrick along. I'm more concerned about Patrick and and the receivers being able to build that chemistry and that timing and get to those crucial situations and some of those 
stretches of games and some of those tough, the tough road ahead projection wise for what the Chiefs schedule is going to end up being and how tough it's probably going to be this year. So the, the quicker those things can happen, I think that that'll, that'll decide and determine how long it takes for those guys to kind of be in sync with Mahomes. Right. Cause you, I mean, uh, you know, a slant route or, or an out route or a dig. I mean, it, it's the same concept, right? But guys run it different. Guys are different, you know, height guys have different arm length guys prefer to have the ball, you know, maybe on a certain hip, you know, for, for, you know, what they want to do. I mean, there's a lot that goes into the ball placement and things like that, that when you talk about chemistry that, you know, he's got to work out. I mean, it was second nature with him and Tyreek for a lot of stuff. It's not going to be with Marquez Valdez Scantling or Juju Smith Schuster until they get to, you know, throw, you know, like throw together uh, during this off season. And so um, I think a lot of it's going to be, you talk about yeah, how much do guys want it? It'll be interesting to see how much time guys like Juju and Marquez, uh, you know, spend, seek out and spend time with Patrick and how much time Patrick, you know, wants to work with those guys, given that he's got a, you know, one-year-old daughter and just got married, things like that, you know, to try to get on the same page, um, you know, and shorten, you know, and flatten that learning curve a little bit as they head into training camp. <laughs> yeah, no, that's going to be another one of those crucial things outside of the draft is working on that with all the, all the new guys and then the group in general, wherever you can. All right. Last question. David Morgan wants to know where there's a lot of rumors um, about, you know, trading for wide receivers, training for corners, stuff like that. Um, how much of it's just speculation? How much of you do you think it's real? Do you think the chiefs are going to swing a trade for a, a DK Metcalf or, or, you know, something, you know, or a Bradbury or something along those lines, or, or do you think that, um, it's just, you know, idle chatter. I don't, I don't think DK Metcalf's happening. Right. There's various reasons, but I don't think that's happening. I think the price is too rich on, on what the value would be to trade for him and also what he's going to want contract wise. And I think trading for a veteran receiver, um, unless it'd be somebody like Brandon cooks, that's already made a lot of money and probably would just want in the same ballpark instead of wanting more. I think a lot of the other guys, I think that they're, I think they're all looking for their paydays. They're going to be above 20 looking million per year. Christian Kirk money, baby. Uh, I think they're looking for more than Christian Kirk money. <laughs> yeah, so still. They're, uh, they're going to be looking for 20 million plus. Right. That's what I'm saying. Year. He set a new floor though. So. Yeah. I mean, you can say that if you want. Yeah. <laughs> I've said it. I'll continue saying it. Yeah. And then corner, we already, we already discussed earlier in the podcast. Yeah. All right. You got anything else? Nope. All right. Well then take care kids.